to the eighth episode of Spanish Answers. So today we're going to do a special on how do they celebrate Easter in Spain? Or more correctly, how do they celebrate Easter in Sevilla or Seville, Spain? Because originally, while I wanted to do research for all of Spain, I realized eventually, quite quickly actually, that that was a huge, humongous undertaking. So we narrowed it back a little bit. And the episode is still over, I think, 20 minutes long. So, eh. but it's really, really cool how they celebrate Easter in Spain. It's very different than how they celebrate it here in America. So there are two things to note. One, it's very different and it is an extremely important holiday in Spain. So keep that in mind. And two, in order to really understand what is happening in Sevilla or even in all of Spain when it comes to that, you have to understand the Christian worldview on what Easter is and what it signifies and how important that is. If you don't understand the biblical account of, um, shall we say, Holy Week or the week leading up to Easter Sunday, uh, which in Spain is called La Semana Santa, Holy Week, then you're not going to understand all the different rituals and festivities and what's going on. So in this episode, I take a moment to kind of explain to you what's happening from the Christian perspective, and then we go into, okay, what, how are they celebrating things and what does it look like? And it's really beautiful and cool and exciting. It's also a bit somber. It's very different than it is here where we're just kind of, you know, celebrate sweet. There's chocolate and there's Easter eggs and maybe we're, you know, as Americans, you know, we're somber on Good Friday, but then on Sunday, which is just a whole bunch of celebration. Well, in Spain, there's definitely lots of celebrating, but there's also a whole week of just thinking about the passion of the Christ and all of that. So I hope that this episode helps. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Well, let's get started. Vamanos. All right, so first things first, let's go ahead and talk about some important words that you'll see throughout this entire episode. So for La Semana Santa, or what is called Holy Week, you have Jesus Christ, of course, Jesucristo, Jesus Christ, Jesucristo. You have Palm Sunday, which is known as El Domingo de Ramas. So Palm Sunday, El Domingo de Ramas. Holy Week, La Semana Santa. Holy Week, La Semana Santa. Holy or Maundy Thursday. I am not positive I'm saying that right, so please let me know if that is wrong. But Holy or Maundy Thursday is El Jueves Santo. And Maundy comes from, uh, it's an old word for the order, like the command. So it talks about on Thursday how you celebrate the Last Supper, and that's where Jesus washed the feet of his disciples and gave them the last, you know, the command to be each other's servants and to wash each other's feet. So that's why we have that weird phrase for Holy Thursday. And then you have, of course, the Last Supper, La Ultima Cena. The Last Supper, La Ultima Cena. There's Good Friday or Viernes Santo. There's Holy Saturday or Sabado Santo. There's a lot of repetition, really, in Spanish between Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. In English, we've kind of spruced it up with a few different names. So, Good Friday, Viernes Santo, Holy Saturday, Sábado Santo, Resurrection Sunday, Domingo de Resurrección, Easter, La Pascua, 
uh, also known as La Pascua de Resurrección, because while we call it Passover, they call it in Spanish La Pascua Judía. So Passover is La Pascua Judía. There's the crucifixion, which is La Crucifixión, very similar. Death, La Muerte, so Death, La Muerte. The Resurrection, La Resurrección, again, very, very similar. And Tum, La Tumba, Tum, La Tumba. So before you can really understand how the Spanish celebrate Easter, you have to understand the biblical account of the week leading up to Easter. So I went ahead and put together a little timeline here. So starting on the first day of Holy Week, La Semana Santa, is the sun is Palm Sunday, Domingo de Ramas. So on this day, according to multiple different books within the Bible, but I'm gonna focus mainly on John for this, uh, Jesus enters Jerusalem on a young donkey, which in Spanish is called La Entrada Triunfal, or the Triumphal Entry. La entrada triunfal, and the people receive him with jubilation, with happiness, and with palm leaves, and part of the reason for that is because the people, the Jews, were uh, under Roman rule at this time, and they thought that Jesus was their Messiah, but a political Messiah, so one who would save them specifically from the Romans, so on Palm Sunday, they're very excited to see him because they have this idea, and while he was their Messiah, he is not a political one. So ultimately, he, his whole purpose was to die for the sins of the world and not to save them from the Romans. But that's for a different type of lesson. Anyways, getting back to this. So that's from John 12, 12 through 19. And then throughout the week, we come to Maundy Thursday or Jueves Santo. And that's where we have the Last Supper or La Ultima Cena. And Jesus eats the Last Supper with his disciples. He then washes his disciples' feet and teaches them to be servants to others, right? So John 13. And then we have Viernes Santo, or Good Friday. And on this day, Jesus is betrayed by Judas Iscariot. And he is taken to Pilate, the Roman governor, who commands the soldiers to whip Jesus. And the chief priests and the officers demand that Pilate crucify Jesus. So, obviously this is a quick summation of it, but... In the end, Jesus is crucified and dies, and he gives his life to God. That's in John 18 through 19. And then on Sabado Santo, or Holy Saturday, Jesus' body is already in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and it lies there. So that's John 19, verses 38 through 42. And then finally, on Resurrection, Resurrection Sunday, or Domingo de Resurrección, Jesus is no longer in the tomb because he has risen. And because Jesus conquered death, those who trust in him have eternal life. So that's based on John 20, 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 22. And really, the whole Holy Week or La Semana Santa is really summarized in 1 Corinthians 15 through 2-4, which is, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So if you would like more information about this, there are numerous teachings out there. I, I personally recommend the teachings by Pastor Dave Love. He's not my pastor, but I do enjoy listening to his lessons online. So. They're full of facts. He also does a really good job of giving historical context to things, and he's got a whole series I recommend starting from like Luke 18 to 24. 
just finishing the book out that way. Uh, also, if you are curious about the crucifixion, then I also recommend the movie The Passion of the Christ with Mel Gibson. If you are on Amazon Prime, you can actually watch it for free, but be careful. It's rated R for graphic violence, and it's been a while since I watched it, but it was a very hard movie to watch. I don't recommend watching it if you are averse to blood. Um, the crucif It does a very good job of showing you what happened to Jesus through his trial and on the crucifixion, and let's just put it this way. The Romans crucified many people. They were experts at making sure crucifixion was as painful as it could be. So, you've been warned, but if you are curious about what that whole process looked like, again, passion, the Passion of the Christ is a great example of that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about La Semana Santa and how it's celebrated in Spain, and more specifically, how it's celebrated in Sevilla. So, on Domingo de Ramas, people will decorate icons at the church with palm leaves and flowers. The processions, or las procesiones, begin that day as well. So they can also bring in olive branches to have the sacerdote, or the priest, bless them. Boys, I have read, will often have plain branches, whereas girls will normally have ones with like ribbons and sweets. Sounds really cute, actually. Then on uh, Jueves Santo, we have La Madruga, which means dawn in Spanish. So La Madruga is where processions occur throughout the night and into early Good Friday. And then on Good Friday, Viernes Santo, you know, most of the stores are closed. You should still be able to find a place to eat. I, my understanding is that bars and restaurants are open. It's a really good time for them to make money. This is also going to be the same on Sunday and Easter Monday. So all the stores will probably be closed, this includes banks, but restaurants and bars will be uh, taking advantage of the situation. So you'll be fine with finding food and drink. But uh, anyways, going back to Viernes Santo, on this day you still have La Madruga processions, and this is normally the best day to view the floats. People will also gather in front of the Catedral de Sevilla, or the Seville Cathedral, which is an impressive cathedral. It is the biggest gothic cathedral in the entire world, and in terms of just ca largest cathedral overall, it is the third. So, that's some more trivia facts for you. But seriously, if you ever get the chance to visit La Catedral de Sevilla, I highly recommend it. And they gather there to remember Christ's trial and the events leading up to his death. It's also a day for some of the most popular processions, including uh, seeing the float, El Gran Poder, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But on Domingo de Resurrección, everything goes from kind of a somber to a really lively festive mood. You see a lot of lively parades because obviously we're no longer mourning and contemplating Christ's death, but instead we're celebrating his resurrection. And then you have Easter Monday, Lunes de Pascua. And on this day, families will have family time. There's a lot of people going outdoors, so picnics are also popular. Um, and it's just a fun, fun celebration. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about the floats and the processions. So in Sevilla, there are a lot of floats. In fact, Sevilla is probably the most famous place for Semana Santa. It has about eight to nine processions each day some of them happening at night, 
And I've read that there's between, I don't know, there were multiple sources. Some said 50 to 70 or almost 300 brotherhoods in Sevilla, but obviously not all of them participate in the celebrations. I think there's something like it was 50 did something like that. But anyways, it takes about 11 to 14 hours to walk around the city and they do have a planned route. At this time, about 50,000 people will go to Sevilla and this Semana Santa style of celebration has been happening there since about um, the 16th century. So what is a brotherhood? Well, in Spanish, it's called a hermandad, hermandad, right? H-E-R-M-A-N-D-A-D, hermandad. So these hermandades, what they are is they're really religious brotherhoods. So cofradías religiosas, right? The, they began forming in about the 1200s through the 1400s, and at first they were just voluntary organizations that basically kept law and order for the nobility. But over time, they lost this authority and they eventually evolved into community organizations like they are today. Uh, one of their highest honors is maintaining and carrying the floats and really organizing the processions during Semana Santa. Under all these ginormous floats are people actually carrying them. So there will often be about 20 to 50 men under a float. They've got, um, they're wearing corsets and they're wearing padding for their neck and shoulders and they are covered by like a cloth around the float so that you can't really see them. You can look under the cloth and see their feet but the whole idea is to kind of make the procession look like the statue is moving smoothly and fluidly in rhythm with the music because obviously there is music going on often with live bands as the float or the paso el paso goes through the streets um now the men under the floats are called called costaleros and they will carry the floats from their church to the city cathedral so in sevilla they'd go to the catedral de sevilla and um, they'll def they will practice for months beforehand. This is considered a really huge honor. Now, because the floats are so heavy, they have to pause quite frequently as they go on this 11 to 14 hour walk. Obviously, this is not an easy task. The floats are very heavy. They're very heavily decorated as well uh, with flowers. Sometimes, I think they can be sometimes real, sometimes fake. Um, maybe fake food, maybe real food, but they'll have sculptures on there. And the sculptures and the relics that go on these floats are beautiful and they are intricate. And often they are very, very old. Like we're talking hundreds of years old here. So each brotherhood takes very good care of its float and its sculptures and its relics and everything that goes together with it. When I was actually studying abroad in Sevilla, I stumbled upon a church that was also used as kind of a museum for past floats, or I guess more like past, past processions they'd had, and they had dresses that they had used at different times throughout history for their lady, you know, for the, the version of their church. So that had been really interesting. I kind of wish I had known more about Semana Santa at the time because that would have made that trip way more uh, impactful and interesting. These sculptures obviously often depict Mary and Jesus, so the Virgin, La Virgen, and they also have misterios or mysteries. So these misterios are scenes from the Passion of the Christ, so Christ carrying the cross and um, 
trying to think of more specific ones. Obviously, Jesus being on the cross, being buried. There's multiple scenes. And so the floats will all have different scenes or different mysteries. And they, as they travel along, one thing that's really, really cool is that you'll hear spontaneous and perhaps sometimes planned saetas. Now, saetas, S-A-E-T-A-S, are special Easter songs. And because you're in Sevilla, in Andalusia, you know, the southern part of Spain, they have, they're heavily influenced by flamenco style. So it's a flamenco style a cappella Easter song. And they're often sung from balconies or even from among the crowd. And they're just kind of a way for people to express their emotion about the procession and, and thinking about the passion of the Christ. So at the end in my resources, I've shared some links to different YouTube videos I found with Sayetas. They are long, so I only watched a few maybe minutes of some, but it was really cool to see people just on a balcony or right next to the procession on the floor, you know, started singing a Sayeta. Definitely different from here in the U.S., but I thought it was really, really cool. Alright, so um, some of the most famous floats, like I said, we talk about them. So they're seen on Good Friday, and this includes La Macarena, La Esperanza de Triana, El Cristo de los Gitanos, and El Jesús del Gran Poder. Now, the cool thing about these floats is that they were originally a means to visually show to the public the story of Christ's death and resurrection. And it's kind of cool to see how that tradition has stayed the same throughout the hundreds of years since it began, but also to see how it's grown into something bigger. It is one of the oldest celebrations that occurs in Salamanca, at least for one of the oldest Spanish celebrations, and that uh, the oldest procession there happened in 1240 AD. So there you go, a little bit of fun trivia for you. Another interesting part, or a few other interesting parts about Los Pasos and Las Procesiones is, uh, perhaps you've seen them if you've looked into La Semana Santa, but there are men wearing pointy hats. So I want to get this out of the way right here, right now. They are in no way related to the American KKK. I know that the outfit looks similar. For those of us who are American, you look at it and you go, whoa, what is happening? Rest assured, this is a completely separate tradition, has nothing to do with the KKK. These people are called Nazarenos and they have hoods that are pointed with two slits for eyes and they're called capirotes. They are basically penitents who are seeking atonement for sin. That's how the role started out. So on Resurrection Sunday, or, so they wear their capi, they wear their capirotes throughout the processions throughout the week and then on Resurrection Sunday they take the hats off to symbolize Christ's resurrection. And then there are the ladies who are the mourners and they walk around wearing black mantillas, which are these lacy black veils that you wear high on top of your head. And they'll have long candles in one hand and a rosary bead in the other. And one of the cool things about these processions is that children will try and like form the biggest balls of wax that they can. And so they'll get uh, they'll, when the processions stop or as the mourners walk by, the children will get wax drippings from the candles people are carrying, which is, I don't know, that sounds like fun, right? Maybe. Okay, maybe it's just me. But anyways, so the, going back to the Nazarenos, the penitentes are basically, they will walk barefoot next to the floats, sometimes they'll wear ankle chains, 
but it's a very solemn event. The entire procession is very solemn, so there may be um, some band music, and it might be lively, but chances are good it's going to be somber, at least until Resurrection Sunday. And speaking of Resurrection Sunday being livelier, you can also enjoy on that day, although I got the feeling you could probably enjoy these throughout the Semana Santa as well. I could be wrong, so please let me know if that's the case. But there is some specific Spanish food that people eat around Easter or La Pascua that I think looks delicious and I really, really want to try making some of them. So you have the sopa de ajo, which is a traditional garlic soup for Easter. Uh, it, eating meat isn't really a thing on this day, so they have a bunch of other things they eat and one of them is sopa de ajo. And then there are torrijas, which are kind of like French toast. It's bread dipped in milk and egg and then it's fried and you sprinkle it with, uh, with sugar. Sometimes you'll have like a burnt sugar layer on top and then it's covered in honey. Or as you can see in the photo, it's like doused in honey, which means it must taste delicious. Then there are pastinos, which are deep fried fritters that are flavored with orange, anise, and sugar and honey. So they sound interesting. I feel like they would taste good, but what I'm really interested in is the mona de pascua. So this is an Easter cake. It's really a sweet bread ring that's baked with whole eggs in it and then sprinkled with candied fruit and sugar. And sometimes they're filled with cream, like the more modern ones, or they're covered in chocolate. I really want to eat it. So there's one more food that I didn't get a photo for in here in the slides, but at the end of the episode in my show notes, I put a link for a recipe to pumpkin buñuelos, which are basically like donuts, but without the donut hole, kind of. So if you're interested in making that, go for it. Uh, I'm also going to put a recipe link for Mona de Pascua because that is something I want to try. And if I ever do get around to making it, I will definitely share a photo about it. So anyways, that is all for today. If you have any questions or topics that you'd like me to discuss, please send them to me at contact at languageanswers.com. That's contact at languageanswers.com. And if you liked this episode, please hit the like button on YouTube or leave me a review on iTunes or Google Play or SoundCloud. Also, if you don't ever want to miss another episode, please hit subscribe. Now, this episode is brought to you by my business, Language Answers LTD. That's, and you can access their website at www.languageanswers.com. Through my business, I've got two podcasts slash YouTube series on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. You can also check it out at Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. So I am a translator, a podcaster, and an editor. I would love to translate a document for you from Spanish into English, or if you have any English documents that you would like edited, I am also open to those. All right, thank you so much for listening or watching, however you're obtaining this episode, whether it's through YouTube or iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, whatever. But thank you so much. I hope that you really enjoyed this episode. I hope it gave you a lot of helpful information. Also, definitely go check out the links if you're not sick of hearing about Easter in Spain. But there's some really cool YouTube videos I found, again, on Say It Does, but also on what the processions look like. There's a promo video I found for Semana Santa, 
which has some really cool images and music. Then there's also some recipes I found. Like, I just had a blast researching this episode. So definitely, if you want to go learn more about this and even other parts of Spain and how they celebrate Semana Santa, check it out. There's a lot of really cool resources out there. All right. Well, I will see you in two weeks. I am going to try and start cutting back uh, since I don't really see any specials until maybe 4th of July or maybe Day of the Dead. I'm, again, I'm going to try and cut back a little bit and keep the episodes under 10 minutes is really what I would like to do, I think. 15 or 10 minutes. So I hope that you have a great two weeks and I will see you then. All right. Hasta luego. Thank you.